You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your comments and questions to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. So I was wondering this week, looking over the Torah portion, talking to my class, and it's amazing. Here's this secret. People make a lot of money answering this secret. Right? People ask, how can a person be happy? I don't know, there's, there's who knows how many shelves in your library, if people still go there. Self-help books, how I feel good about myself, psychologists, Xanax, whatever people take, but, but really, really. Right? How can a person be happy? What do I need to do? To become happy. You could listen to me. That would be an excellent way. Um, I'm a pretty happy person. Uh, But before we get into exactly the secret, um, we got to remind everybody, of course, that to make sure that we keep the show going, um, and I know how much you guys love the show and enjoy the show, and we got to get the show to spread, so please go to my homepage. There's that donate button there. Click on that donate button. Leave your name. Uh, We'll give you a shout out. Memory of. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. Whatever you'd like. Just leave a little note. And in advance, of course, I thank you. So the answer is at the beginning of this week's Torah portion. The answer to how a person can be happy is in the conversation, perhaps prayer, that Jacob has with God. So let's figure out where we are. Let's backtrack a little bit. Let's get into the story. Let's figure out what's going on. And then we get to this most important line. So here we go. So last week's story portion, we have Jacob tricking his father, tricking Isaac. Esau is out hunting for food. Jacob sneaks in with food from the, his mother got him some goats. He fools his father. He gets the blessings. Ace, of course, is furious because his whole life he was working on getting those blessings. And uh, Ace of the verse says, basically, as far as Ace of is concerned, Jacob is dead. He has has drunk the cup of uh, of consolation. I think is how they translate it. You know, it's he's, that's it. In his mind, Jacob is a dead man. He has to wait till Isaac passes away, and then Esau will take care of it. Rebecca hears about it. She tells Jacob he's got to get out of town. And then she goes, Rebecca goes to Isaac and says, she doesn't have to tell him that she knows what Esau is planning on doing. It's not important. It's not necessary to give over that information. So she doesn't. She says, Isaac, if my son Jacob marries a girl from this area, a girl from Canaan, life is not worth living. 
you need to send Jacob back to my family and to my nieces. My brother has some girls. Let him get married to one of those girls. That's what needs to happen for my son Jacob. Otherwise, the language in last week's Torah portion is, what, what is life worth to me? Lama Lichayim. Isaac calls in Jacob, and he says to him, he gives him the, the spiritual blessings and the blessings for the land of Israel, and, and uh, he'll serve God, and etc. And then he tells him, go to Haran, go to your mother's family, find a girl, that's whom you will marry. End of story. So Jacob says, no problem. And he packs out. It happens to be, he takes a little detour, he goes to study for 14 years in, a, in the yeshiva of Shem and Aver. Why he felt that was necessary is a good question, but not really what I wanted to focus on today, so we're just going to gloss over that. Jacob now heads towards Choron. Assume Choron is like between, you know, Baghdad, Iraq, Iran, that area of the world, and that's where Jacob is heading, and he realizes that he forgot to stop by Har Maria, by, by Mount Moriah, where where Jacob had been, where Isaac had been brought up by the Akedah, by the binding of Isaac as a sacrifice. And he says, how could it be that I didn't stop to pray? How could such a thing be? I must go back. So he turns around, goes back, shows up at Har Maria, and God wants Jacob to stay for the night, so he makes the sun set early. Jacob has to go to sleep. He takes 12 stones. He puts the 12 stones around him. And uh, it's a little bit of a play on words in the verse. The, it says he put multiple stones around him. But in the morning, it says he took the stone that he was sleeping on. So the rabbis say that all the stones turned into one. All the stones were fighting. They wanted Jacob's head to be, uh, to be under them. Um, in any case, he takes the stone, he brings it as a, as a, he makes an altar, and okay, let's, we're gonna back, that's the gist, um, as a, as an aside, I told my class, even my third graders got this, um, there was a man who, a uh, very heavy man, very large gentleman, and he went to visit, uh, his rabbi friend, and they were sitting on the porch, and the rabbi has these wicker chairs, you know, those white you know, wicker chairs. It's like the made out of I don't know reeds or something, and they're and uh, they're outdoor summer chairs. You know what they are. Anyways, this larger man sits on the chair and breaks right through, right through, and he's all embarrassed. He says to Rabbi, "Oh, I'm so sorry." The Rabbi says, "No, you are just like Jacob." And the man says, "Well, what are you talking about?" He says, "No, just like by Jacob, all the rocks wanted to sleep." Under, to be under the head of that righteous man and God made them into one big stone. So too, all the holes of the wicker chair wanted to be under you. So God made a miracle and all those little holes turned into one big hole. Okay, now, when Jacob was sleeping, so he had a very famous prophecy. A prophecy, God talks to him. There's a lot of things we learn from the prophecy, but let's let's try to get into it a little bit. So the verse tells us Jacob sees this ladder, and the bottom of the ladder is by Beersheba, 
and the middle of the ladder is over the temple, and the top of the ladder is over a place called Basel. And again, it's debatable in the rabbis exactly if that's how the ladder was set up, but that's how Rashi explains. And he sees that ladder, and he sees angels going up and angels going down. And it, again, the commentaries ask, it would seem to be the wrong direction, really, the, the angels would be coming down, then going up. So there's multiple answers. One of the answers is the angels in the land of Israel that were accompanying Jacob, they go up. Now the angels that will be accompanying him out of the land of Israel come down. That's one answer. A second answer is he was watching angels go up and they were representative of how many years we'd be in exile. Like 70 years for the Babylonian exile and 180 years for the Greek. We were in exile, but the Greeks were in charge and Persia. And then he sees the final angel going up and up and up and up and up and just not stopping. Thousands of steps. And that, God told him, no, that's the present exile. It's called Edom. And it's going to be very long. And we've been out of Israel for 2,000 plus years already. But that also will come to an end. That was part of the famous part of this dream. And and uh, we'll, maybe we'll get back into this. But So what happens? So Jacob wakes up. His first reaction is, I didn't realize how holy this place was. This is the connection between the temple down here and the temple up in, in heaven. I didn't realize such a holy place. I can't believe, Jacob says, that I actually went to sleep in such a holy place. And then Jacob says an interesting thing. Whether this is a prayer, whether this is a statement, and he says, God, if I return, as I'm going now to get married, and I'm going to be running into my uncle Lavan, and I know he's a big-time shyster and a trickster, and he's going to take everything I have, but if I come back, he doesn't say come back with a wife and kids, interesting enough. He says, if I come back and I have bread to eat and I have clothes to wear, I'll give charity. 10%, some say it's 20%, whatever it is, I will tithe, I will give charity if I come back with bread and clothes. So it's an interesting, you know, that's what he picked, right? He only picked bread and clothes. He didn't say, I'll come back with a big bank account. He didn't say, I'll come back with flocks of sheep, or I'll come back with gold or diamonds, or I'll be a famous businessman. Or All he wants is bread and clothes. In other words, Jacob says to God, just make sure I come back and I have my necessities. As long as I have necessities, I'm good to go. People who want wealth... I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have wealth. Look, I'm, a, I'm also a fundraiser. I collect charity. And if there wouldn't be wealthy people, right, I'd be out of business, right? And as the poor people are not the ones, as much as we love them, but those are not the people that are uh, supporting institutions. The ones that are supporting organizations, institutions, doing those great things, they're going to have to be wealthy people. You need wealthy people. But... 
you need to know that your goal in life, you could want to be a wealthy person. You just got to know what comes along with it. In other words, wealthy people are not satisfied. I was sitting with somebody a couple weeks ago, um, beautiful house out on the lake. The man has many millions. Um, He basically told me that his charity is spoken for, but he has two or three new businesses that he's working on, and and he figures in a year or two he'll be making money on those businesses, and then he'll have more charity to give, and then I can get on his list. He doesn't need more businesses. He wants more. He wants to be even wealthier, right? It's a, it's a, it's a fact that people are not satisfied. That's why there's wealthy people. If they'd be satisfied, we wouldn't have so many wealthy people. And again, we wouldn't have the people that could be charitable. I, I get all that. I understand it, right? But what what Jacob is trying to teach us is, I need to be satisfied. If I am satisfied, I am the happiest person in the world, right? Let's get back to what we wanted to discuss at the very beginning of the show, right? I told you, what's the secret? What is the key? The key is, I am satisfied with what I have. That's easier said than done. Because look at every advertisement that's out there, right? Everybody wants you to buy uh, the newest sports car, right? Jewelry. Um, beautiful homes. I right? look in my in my uh, news feed, and they're always talking about those thirty million dollar homes and fifty million dollar homes, and who knows what. It, it's it's like the culture tells you, oh, what do you mean you want to drive? Uh, I'm driving my Kia Sedona. Just want a Kia Sedona? <laughs> you should be driving the Mercedes SUV or this one's SUV, or, or this, uh, I don't remember all the names anymore, right? But but why are you driving a, I would say, $20,000 car, but now, of course, they're 40, right? You should be driving the the that EV Ford pickup, which is, you know, 110 grand to start. As we, we the advertisers are lifting up um, our goals of what we, uh, they're telling us what we want and need. And without it, we won't be happy. If I can't go buy those special diamonds, then I will not be a happy person. No. I'm a happy person because I'm satisfied. Would it be nice to be able to buy my wife a, a $20,000 necklace? Of course it would be beautiful. Buy her earrings cost $5,000? Of course it would be beautiful. But can I be happy without it? Must I have it? Must I kill myself work 24 hours a day in my business, must I do that so I can be happy according to the advertisers? Or no? Really, really, what I need to be doing is being satisfied. This is how much money I have. This is how much money I earn. This is what we can afford. I'm satisfied. Right? Like, you got to be able to be satisfied. I'm not saying if you have it, you shouldn't spend it. And there are those people that, what can you do? They got to be super wealthy. Okay, great. But for the regular, average person, the first key is, can you be satisfied? Can you say, God, if I have bread and clothes, I'm good to go. You want to give me more? I'm happy if you give me more, right? Don't get me wrong. All right? But can I be satisfied with just 
necessities. If I can be satisfied with necessities, I am a very happy person. As soon as I start having my whole wish list of all the things I must have, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Because you can't be happy. Because there's always more. You always want more. There's always bigger. There's always better. There's always my neighbor has this. My friend has that. My cousin has the other thing. Um, look, I go to dinners all the time. There And, the you know, I was just, we were in Chicago. So I ate and took my wife out. Very, very fancy restaurant. We don't usually eat in those places. But, you know, to do it once, you know, it's it was nice. It was beautiful. But you had to see the crowd. Everybody there knew each other because they're all on a certain um, status. They're all on a certain level. So they this is where they eat. This is where they go to meet their friends. Uh, a different friend of Florida told me that uh, there are certain weeks where all the high school kids or the college kids go down. So he says it's hard to get into the regular restaurants. So I said to him, I said, Hershey, what do you do? He said, I don't eat in these restaurants. I go a half a mile down the road where the prices are quadruple. They can't afford those prices. <laughs> no problem. Right? So everybody has their level. Right? What level must I be on? What satisfies me? If I can be satisfied, then I, I'm just the happiest person. I could be, oh, I could be satisfied if I had $20 million in the bank. Sure you could. If you could be satisfied if there's $2,000 in the bank, you could be satisfied if there's $2 million in the bank. You'll be, you are the kind of person who is satisfied with what he has. He has more, he has less, doesn't matter. But if you're not satisfied with a 2000 and you think you'll be satisfied with a $2 million, it's highly unlikely. And that, by the way, that's what we said. That is the key. You want to know what is the key to happiness? The key to happiness is being satisfied. I don't know if I ever told you this story. It's a great story. There was once a man, very poor man. He sold schmatis. He sold, you know, pieces of material, He'd find pieces here, there, patches. He'd go to work. He'd work all day long. But when he came home, he sang with his kids. He danced. He threw them up. He threw them down. He made pretend. He would find a broken doll, and he'd bring it home and say to one of his daughters, "Ah, oh, look what I found for you. And the meals were the most happy, enjoyable things you could imagine. And the father would be was great at mimicking right? the different people he met in the streets, and he'd give whole productions, um, you know, for an hour in his home, and it was just the most wonderful, beautiful environment you could ever imagine. In this area, the king used to go with one of his advisors. They would go in disguise. They wanted to see how the regular people, the poor people, lived, and it was a way of the king of getting a feeling of uh, of uh, what was going on. Right? Sometimes the king has to have a, what do the commoners say? Are, are they angry at something? Are they angry at me? Are they angry at governors? Are they happy? What's going on? I guess he needed to put his finger on the pulse. So somehow he get, he came by this house and he's seeing the laughter and, and what's going on. And he knocks on the door and he says, oh, I'm a poor man. Do you, do you mind if I come in? You have something to share? Yes, please come in. And he doesn't know it's the king. 
And the king and the advisor are sitting there, and this guy is making jokes, and he's being silly, and the kids are laughing, and they're dancing, and they're putting on skits, and and the king is just overwhelmed. It's just the happiest. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe such a happy, beautiful family. He was like jealous. King thanks very much, goes back to his palace, and the next day he sends a message to this guy, you're summoned to the king's palace. Now, being summoned to the king's palace is a pretty scary thing, especially for poor people. The king shouldn't even know who I am. The king knows who I am and he's summoning me. Can't be for good stuff. Can't be for good stuff. Anyways, so the guy comes, he's all nervous, and the king says, do you recognize me? No, your majesty, I'll be honest, I've never seen you in my life. Look carefully, look, and he's looking, and he says, oh my gosh, you, you, you were in my house last night. And, and I for sure did not have the proper respect. And, and I'm so sorry, Your Majesty. How, I, I didn't know. How should I have known? Uh, uh, please, I don't know if you could forgive me. And the king says, no, 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 no. I didn't want you to know who I was. If you would have recognized who I was, you, 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 wouldn't have, uh, you, you wouldn't have been your regular self. You would have been very solemn. And I loved that you were so happy. But I feel bad that you're such a poor man. So I tell you what I'm going to do. Just a, a, a gift. Here's a, a bag of gold coins. Set yourself up a business. and uh, But make sure that you keep that joy in your house. Oh, your majesty, of course. We'll, we are the happiest family ever. We will be so happy. It'll be amazing. Anyways, the man goes home, tells his wife, whoa, what are we going to do? He says, I, I know the king said I should start a business. I know. Eggs. Eggs. We're going to buy eggs from the farmer. I'm going to take those eggs and bring them to market. I'm going to sell the eggs. And eggs, you make a lot of money on eggs. Make a lot of money on eggs. I'll be the go-between. And the next day he goes and he purchases like you know, cartons of eggs, or however they store eggs, and he puts it in the corner. And and uh, he goes, to the, he goes to, the, to the market the next day and he sells the eggs and he comes home at night. And his children say, oh, any funny things in the market? Oh. I'm very busy right now. I have to do calculations and the math and how many he sold and how much money he made and, and who he bought from and how much he paid for and all the calculations and, and the kids want to wanna play. They want to they wanna dance. And the father says, no, we're, we're, I'm very busy right now. And, you know, after a week, the, the whole, as we say, the whole attitude, the whole way that home was run starts changing. And... And all of a sudden, you know, one night he's trying to do his calculations and the kids are playing and they're fighting, like all homes. And he yells at them, stop it. We make so much noise for. And in and, and their life, the kids never, the kids never had uh, had their father yell at them. That was like unheard of and like, whoa, like, whoa, what's going on? And then another time they're playing and somebody's doll flies through the air and crashes on one of the eggs. And the father almost loses it. And just while the father is losing it, the king in his disguise is looking through the window. And he sees what he did to this poor man. He gave him a business. He gave him money. And all the joy the man had is out the window. All the, as we say, the simchas all the enjoyment of life. So the next day he calls the man back. And he says, uh, to the man, he says, so how's business going? And the man says, your majesty, it's going terrible. 
It's terrible. My whole life, I had nothing. But my family, we were the happiest people ever. For the first time in my life, I have a few dollars to rub together, and, and my family's miserable. So the king says, what should I do? He says, your majesty, if I could give you back the money and go back to my old ways, I would be the happiest man ever. And the king said, fine. And true, not true, but the lesson is just unbelievable. It's not the money that makes us happy. It's being satisfied that makes us happy. But the music is playing. And I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors. Listen, I couldn't do without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.